Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap issues and events pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WNBD News Director Cooper Banks. Top doctors and pediatricians have asked the U.S. government for assistance amid a concerning spike in RSV and influenza, especially in kids. Hospitals in some places have been getting overwhelmed. The president of OSF Healthcare Children's Hospital of Illinois is Mike Wells. He says the spike was not entirely unexpected. Here's more from my conversation with him this week. Take a listen. So, uh, Mike, many parents are reading about this surge nationwide in uh, the admittance and hospitalization of young people for, uh, it's a rather hard name to pronounce, but RSV, and then quite a bit more people who are being admitted to hospitals because of flu. I would first ask what you're seeing there where you are. Well, here at the Children's Hospital, uh, we're seeing something similar to what others are reporting nationally, an increase in RSV and other infectious illness that started over a month ago at this point. Uh, We started seeing originally an increase in rhinovirus and enterovirus, uh, then in the past few weeks, an increase in RSV, and then just in the past week or so, an increase in flu. And so really, it's just a variety of infectious illness that is continuing to be on the increase that's driving increased inpatient volumes here at the Children's Hospital. How are you suited right now as far as uh, beds and space and capacity? What does that look like for you guys? Capacity management is an ongoing challenge for us during the respiratory illness season, which typically happens in the winter. So here at the Children's Hospital of Illinois, this is not unusual for us, but it is happening much earlier than usual. And the number of um, kids that are coming to us with respiratory illness is higher even than during our typical uh, high census season, which, as I said, is normally in the winter. So what we're seeing here is this, you know, increase of kids that are in need of intensive care and regular care at the Children's Hospital of Illinois. Um, Normally what we do and what we're doing now is managing on an hour-by-hour, day-by-day basis. And knock on wood, we're in fairly good condition here in Central Illinois compared to other children's hospitals. Uh, We are on a, as I said, hour-by-hour basis reshuffling capacity. And, And what reshuffling capacity looks like for us is opening up additional beds in other spaces that we're able to staff within the children's hospital, increasing our capacity. Uh, We're redeploying staff to the areas where they're needed most. And so fortunately, a lot of our uh, nursing staff are cross-trained and so they're able to work in different units. And so we're able to redeploy them to the units where they're needed the most, including the emergency department during times when we have high volumes there, we're able to send staff um, to support those units or, or departments that are having the, the greatest surge. We're also able to call in um, additional physicians when we need backup support, so hospitalists and intensivists can be called in as needed. And so this is just sort of a constant process that we're in the middle of um, expanding our capacity and, and contracting if we need to to make sure that we can accommodate the need. Now, there have been times over the past few weeks that we have not had beds available. In situations like that, we have a running 
inventory of beds that are available throughout the state and outside of the state so that when a hospital contacts us to transfer a patient, if we don't have a bed at that moment, we're able to give them a list of hospitals that do have open beds. Okay. Uh, I would also wonder, too, kind of where your head is on a thing. We had the Children's Hospital Association and the American Academy of Pediatrics last week actually send a letter to the White House addressed to the Biden administration, the president himself, Health Secretary Javier Becerra, um, asking for there to be an emergency declaration in hopes, I, uh, I would say largely because it would free up some of, some of the assistance like what we saw during the height of the COVID pandemic. Where's your head at? How close are you to believing that we may have an emergency on our hands? I think it depends on, on how long it lasts. Uh, and and the extent of the volumes, you know, the, the surge. We typically, as I mentioned earlier, see this during the winter. And so it's a relatively short period of time, and and the volumes tend to be lower. And so we're able to manage, and we get through really okay. In this instance, it's starting much earlier than it typically would, and the the volume of patients that we're seeing in both our emergency department and our inpatient units is much higher than we normally see during our high census or our peak census season. And so I would say it really depends on how long this lasts and if we continue to see the volumes that we're seeing because the concern for us is not only will we have the ability to keep beds open on a day-to-day basis so we can continue to accommodate those patients that need us, not only because of infectious illness, but because of all the other things that bring kids into a children's hospital like trauma or um, you know, chronic or complex illness. We need to continue to maintain care for those kids because those don't go away just because we're experiencing a peak in infectious illness. In fact, for a lot of those chronic and complex kids, they get worse so they need us more than ever. So the question will be, can we still manage to keep beds open, you know, during those times? And, you know, it's it's possible to call in staff and, and, you know, for people to pick up additional shifts in order to cover those expanded, you know, spaces that we've opened pediatric beds into. But you can only do that for so long before people, you know, get really tired. And so the question will be, can we manage to bring in additional staffing like travelers, uh, or, you know, temporary staff? Can we continue to pay an incentive for staff to pick up extra shifts as long as they can safely do that? And I, and I say staff, but I mean physicians too. So, so I really think that, that that need for assistance is going to come into play as this continues, if it continues at the volume, at the rate that we're seeing. I, I would, um, I suppose I would even dig forward a little bit to apply perhaps a qualifying word from your perspective of perhaps how you see these matters. You've mentioned you don't quite see it necessarily as an emergency. You haven't, I'd say, um, corroborated with that idea. The the volume of patients, even outside of you know what we're seeing right here at the hospital, and, and in effect could prevent patients from having to come here at the hospital, keeping those beds open for the kids who absolutely need them. You know, there are people listening to a conversation or who will be, I should say, uh, listening to a conversation like this, thinking to themselves, okay, well, uh, how can I help uh, this situation? 
I would pose that question to you, Mike. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked because there is a lot that that the public can do to help, namely uh, preventing the spread of infection. You know, there are those simple things that, that you can do to help prevent the spread of infection, hand washing, cleaning surfaces. If your child presents with symptoms, you know, fever, runny nose, cough, um, keep them home if you can. You know, so rather than sending them to school or daycare, keep them home until they're fever-free. Uh, and again, knowing the signs and symptoms so that you can access the help that you need. And so, you know, the, the basic symptoms of infectious or respiratory illness are the same across a lot of illnesses, including RSV and, and uh, rhinovirus and terovirus. A lot of those things that are, are spread easily have similar, similar uh, symptoms, fever, runny nose, coughing, uh, trouble breathing. Trouble breathing is probably the scariest one for parents, I think. And so watch for those things. Call your pediatrician for advice on, on what to do when you're seeing those illnesses. And if you can, you know, keep your child home because that really will prevent the spread. And that's the only way that we can that we can start to decrease the, the surge that we're seeing now is if we just prevent the spread. I would say kind of changing gears from the perspective of the person who wants to try to help to do everything they can too. Let's put ourselves in the place, and that being me asking the question here, of, say, the family that is dealing with now a child who's presenting symptoms and wondering, is this this RSV? When is it? How bad does it need to be before I make the decision we need to go to the hospital now? You know, every child is different, and so that's why we're we're careful not to give just blanket advice. But you know, those those symptoms to watch for in terms of RSV are fever, runny nose, cough, trouble breathing. Trouble breathing is when when you know that it's time to get help. Now, the degree of help that you need, whether that's uh, uh, you know an emergency department or not, depends on the child, but. I would say that if you're seeing any of those symptoms that I listed, including just a fever and runny nose, contact the, the pediatrician or even a prompt care to, to get advice about whether or not you should come in. Uh, if, you're, if you have a relationship with your pediatrician, most of them will be able to give advice just by phone based on uh, what you're describing as to whether or not you should come in. Um, and if there are concerns about breathing, that's really kind of the indicator that it that there may be a more urgent need for help. But I think a, a good place to start is to call for advice from your family pediatrician. There remains disagreement between the public at large in Peoria and those elected representatives leading the city about what rules to put in place for marijuana businesses. Respondents in a recent survey expressed a desire for there to be very limited local regulation of things like marijuana dispensary locations or whether people can consume cannabis products on site. Peoria City Council held a lengthy discussion on the topic this past week. I'll try to be brief. Uh, as the council knows, we've had a series of public input opportunities, both in a public meeting as well as a virtual meeting. We've taken input from the council. Um, and staff has put together its uh, 
best representation of um, the of all those inputs. I'd like to briefly summarize uh, what we're recommending by way of action by the council. Um, and in that, address a few of the key points that we're not including. First, we're, we're not suggesting a limit on the number of dispensary licenses. Um, and that was not included because of the significant public position that there should not be a limit on additional licenses. Um, and uh, second, there'll be a don additional zoning restrictions, uh, primarily addressing two er or three areas. We're gonna reduce the two-year period um, for a valid special use permit down to one year. Um, we're gonna require special use permits in every zoning district, uh, which right now is not required in, in one of our zoning districts, and we would require a special use permit process in all districts. And we would include um, uh, cannabis dispensaries with on-site consumption by way of an additional special use designation. And so those would be the primary elements going to the zoning um, board in the next evolution in January. Uh, we would incorporate existing uh, state law uh, by way of uh, ordinance change that a dispensary cannot be located within 1,500 feet of a pre-existing dispensary unless the applicant is a social equity applicant. Uh, we would define and allow on-site consumption subject to certain building parameters. Uh, typically, we're gonna have them comply with the parameters of the smoke-free Illinois law. And we would define social equity applicants and require annual proof of social equity applicant status and add language to strengthen the restrictions on transfer of licenses. Again, to make certain that the full ambition of the social equity uh, opportunity is being uh, experienced by social equity applicants. Um, we would uh, estimate a significant financial impact, although there is at some point the market will be uh, mature and saturated, we feel there's some opportunity for additional uh, funding increasing from licensing fees, and there's likely going to be still some additional sales tax revenue um, as that uh, market grows and matures. Um, the, um, uh, the additional material, including your written materials for your consideration, and certainly your input on what of these aspects move forward is appreciated. I'd be happy to take questions tonight. Uh, as you know, our Deputy Corporation Counsel has taken lead on this, and she'd be happy to take your questions as well throughout the coming weeks as we approach both the zoning process and the uh, uh, Council in, in December. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, I have Councilman Riggenbach. Madam Mayor Pro Tem, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Um, thank you, Corporation Council, and we really appreciate this update, and um, the Assistant Corporation Council has done a yeoman's job in getting us to this point. Two things that I would suggest that you offer, at least as an alternative when this comes back to us for final approval, regarding on-site consumption, as I recall my colleagues, well, let me rephrase that, I'm totally opposed to on-site consumption, period. 
and I would like to see that, if not in the ordinance, at least allow us to vote on that separately. I'll be unequivocal in my opposition to that. The other um, item regarding the special use, reducing the two-year period to a one-year period, I would also suggest that we limit, lower that to six months, um, knowing that it could take longer and that we could amend that if the situation would allow, but it's easier to allow an extension that we, we can never reel that back. So I, I would suggest that we move forward with a six-month time frame there, and if the situation with the state licensing, et cetera, would demand uh, longer, we could amend that on the floor at the time of the special use. So those would be my two comments um, for your consideration. Thank you. Councilman Riggenbach. Um, Councilman Allen. Uh, thank you, uh, Madam Mayor Pro Tem. Uh, I second many of the comments uh, Council Member Rennenbach said. I appreciate um, the language in here regarding just making sure that the transfer of the social equity uh, designations, um, you know, we uphold those because again, we want those holders to um, reflect the spirit of why that why that was passed in the first place. So I appreciate that language. I agree with Councilman Rennenbach. I think six months is appropriate. Uh, for those uh, special site approvals. Um, and then if someone has sustaining with them circumstances, they can come to the city um, because we know mm -hmm. when you're trying to open up a business, things do happen. And so I want to be sensitive to that. But also I don't want us to be uh, in a situation where we're ho holding placement and then we have, um, we have uh, entities that don't never materialize. And we have seen this recently. So those would be, uh, those are my two comments, but I would definitely support that six months. Thank you. Thank you. Does anyone else want to comment on this proposed ordinance? Mayor Ali? Okay. Mayor Pro Tem, I just wanted to also agree with Councilman uh, Regenbach in terms of, you know, what I heard around the horseshoe is that I, I think the majority was opposed to on-site consumption at this time. Perhaps that will change down the road, but uh, from what I, uh, the feedback that, that I received was that we're not ready to move forward with on-site consumption. So I, I would also want that ordinance to be adjusted. And I also agree with the six month review. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Councilman Sear. Thank you, Madam Mayor Pro Tem. Move to receive and file. Is there a second? Councilman Rodrigo. We'll have a vote then. Cast your ballots. Mayor Ali. Aye. And I'm an aye also. Another city council discussion this time on expanding the footprint for Childers and signing a new agreement. Take a listen. I'm here uh, representing the Economic Development Department tonight. Uh, last year this time we did a request for proposals for interest in leasing our gateway building for the uh, third floor ballroom area uh, for commercial use. We had one responsive um, vendor and that was Childers uh, Restaurant. So I am here to, to 
very ecstatically inform you that we have come to an agreement with Childers to lease this, the third floor of the Gateway for their banquet facility as a secondary banquet facility. This would be a five-year lease that will t take uh, commence as uh, soon as we're able to sign the dotted line. They'll be able to build out the space, and we hopefully will see uh, some type of activity happening in the Gateway again on the third floor that will now be available for leasing through the Childers um, Restaurant Company. Uh, as for the city, we will be getting a lease, it will be a lease agreement, so we will be receiving uh, compensation for that lease agreement as it will be a 25, um, $2,500 $2, per month minimum, uh, up to 8% gross maximum. And so the goal is hopefully as, the, as community members start hearing that the gateway is reopened for public use, uh, looking through, uh, hosting through uh, Childers, uh, we will begin to see revenue come back through that building again for the city, as well as revigorate the space as we are trying to look at our downtown, as this is another example of revitalizing our downtown, especially at the riverfront. Uh, what does this mean for us as the city? We will be able to still act, um, have access to the space, working with Childers to ensure that if we need it for some public use, we will be able to do so on the days that they have available that are not blacked out. In addition to that, we have worked with the Park District to ensure that they said they need to utilize the third floor for special events, that they will too have access to that space. And so that is also reflected in our agreement. We will be able to also um, use the second floor as well uh, for additional purposes as it relates to meetings or other gatherings that's necessary for the park district. Another added to the lease that we should be uh, making the council aware of is that Gateway will be able, the Childers will be able to advertise using their brand in the facility. So we are looking at design that the city will have to approve prior to execution of, of any type of build out within the space. So anything as it relates to the signage, as well as any design or changes in, in the building, which of course, if many of you have recently visited, uh, there are some wonderful green curtains that I think uh, probably were uh, very popular back in the late 80s, 90s, that needs to be updated. Uh, so we are looking to make some modifications to that. The city has also said that we will invest in that space by making some changes within the third floor restroom as well as with our, um, um, our AV system to make sure it accommodates the, the needs of Children's Restaurant. Uh, I would like to just want to acknowledge my staff in economic development for um, being the ones to help, help move this process along as well as our department and the law department really appreciate the law department staff for their support and help. And I would love to thank our council member, Councilman Gray, for assisting me as I'm new to the community and learn a lot about Childers and what they're meaning for our organization and for the city. So I will hand it over to Councilman Gray if you have any additional questions for me or comments to make to the council. Thank you. Um, Councilman Gray. Well, I think this represents a pattern of this council approving projects that allow us to more fully utilize um, assets that belong to our taxpayers. We recently approved uh, additional uh, utilization of the Rock Island Depot, the River Station building, and now the beautiful gateway building that sits athwart the 
Murray Baker Interstate 74 bridge. We're making uh, a lot of repairs to it, and we, in essence, are getting the a building developed by a family whose name I think all of us have heard if we've been in the Peoria area for very long, the Childers family. And tonight we have both Eddie Childers here, raise your hand, and Ryan toward the back. And I thank them very much for continuing to invest in the Peoria community. And uh, Manager Urich, I have to give Kimberly Richardson and her staff an A-plus on this. And I'd move to approve as outlined. Is there a second? Councilman Kelly with the second. Um, further discussion, Councilman Rigamack. Pro tem. Um, th this is an exciting um, thing to have come before us, and I think we've all seen the Gateway Building as a blessing and a curse in so many levels and so many different ways. So, Assistant City Manager Richardson, great job, and I particularly am pleased to see that you're this agreement respects the city's use of the third floor as well as the park district being able to use that um, for special events. This is one, th one thing I remember as we've worked to utilize this building in the past was that they always complained about the kitchen space being so small. So um, welcome to the riverfront. We're glad to see you here and I'll definitely be supporting this as well. Thank you. So, Councilman, for clarification, there's no kitchen. It's a warming space. Okay. So, we will still have to cook off-site, unfortunately. Oh, that's too bad. That's, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Councilman Riggenbach. Councilman Sear? Mayor Pro, uh, Pro Tem, uh, I want to say thank you to my colleague, Mr. Graham, for uh, taking this project through the uh, finish line um, since uh, I've been working with Childers for many months on this. and. Uh, it took a long time to get through, but I want to thank you for getting involved and, and sit through. So thank you for your work on this. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Thank you. Um, Councilman Ruckrigo. I'm going to echo those uh, responses, and uh, thank you as well for the Economic Development Department for really looking at this um, and for Councilmember Grab. Uh, and I think you mentioned it, but you and I talked a little bit, and just want to reiterate that a lot of people ask about the outside, and that's going to be one of the things that it's going to be refreshed, but it's going to look similar. It, it, we're not taking that great look that everybody's looking for away. It's just going to be refreshed, and I think people will look forward to that as well. And how exciting that we're going to be able to see one of our Peoria-owned brands, one that we're extremely special at right there at the river. Um, great. Thank you very much for all of your hard work. Thank you, uh, Councilman Euler. Thank you, Madam Chairwoman. I think we've all seen the positive impact the Childers family has had all over the city of Peoria from uh, University Street, my preferred location, Drees Lane, Junction City, Grand Prairie, and uh, now welcome downtown. We look forward to working with you. Thank you for your commitment to the city of Peoria, staying here, investing here, and continuing to improve the restaurant scene in our community. Thank you. Thank you. Councilman Kelly. Uh, thank you, uh, Madam uh, Interim, or uh, <laughs> Mayor Pro Tem. Um, I wish to piggyback on the comments thus far. I think this is wonderful. I think that's a wonderful asset that our city has, and it's uh, uh, going to be put to good use. Uh, the Childers family is, uh, they do such a wonderful job. I, I was not 
uh, clear. I think your voice dropped a little bit, uh, uh, Madam uh, Assistant City Manager. Um, who, I, I understand we're in charge of updating infrastructure, or infrastructure of the building. Who, who is responsible for the build out? So Childers would be responsible for the build out with our approval of design. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Anyone else, Mayor Ali? Uh, I just want to take a minute. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. Mayor. Enthusiastically support this. Thank you. Thank you. And I also enthusiastically support. I think the whole council does. Thank you, Mrs. Richardson. And um, thank you to the Childers family for all your investment and for coming on down to the riverfront. We look forward to having you there. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest 360 station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. I'm Cooper Banks, WMBD News.